It is a blessing to worship with all of you today in person and online. I give God thanks for our musicians and for all who have led us in this service of worship. We are currently in a sermon series called the New Testament Challenge. And the point of this three-part series is to help us have a scriptural view of scripture so that we can read the scriptures together in a good and godly way this year. Today, I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, which many of us read this past week as part of our New Testament challenge. And the title of today's message is Jesus' Principles of Biblical Interpretation. Hear now Matthew 4, 5 through 7 from the New Revised Standard Version. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Some people think we don't need principles of interpretation because the Bible just means what it says and it's plain and clear. But the Bible itself actually disputes this assumption. Listen to 2 Peter 3, verses 15 through 16. So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, Speaking of this as he does in all his letters, there are some things in them hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Here, scripture says scripture can be hard to understand sometimes, and it can also be twisted even toward destruction. There are unholy ways of interpreting holy scripture. Just because a claim is biblical doesn't mean it's right. Therefore, it's important to have principles that can help guide our biblical interpretation and our understanding of scripture. In Matthew chapter 4, we see why this is so very important. The devil takes Jesus to Jerusalem, has him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and says to him, look, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will give his angels charge concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus replies, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Here, the devil quotes Psalm 91, tempting Christ to interpret Scripture in a way that's against God's will. He wants Jesus to jump off the top of the temple. One of the gravest temptations we face is to interpret and apply Holy Scripture in unholy ways. So what can we do? Since even divinely inspired scriptures can sometimes be twisted to misguide us, we can interpret the Bible as Jesus does. Notice that Jesus responds to the devil by quoting Deuteronomy 6.16. This suggests that Christ-like biblical interpretation can overpower evil and lead us into God's will. Since Jesus is our Lord, we seek to follow him in every way, including the way that we read, understand, interpret, and apply scripture. So today, I want us to glean from Jesus seven key principles of biblical interpretation. We can heed these seven principles in order to read Scripture in a Christ-like way. Jesus' first principle of biblical interpretation is read Scripture in the light of Christ. Read Scripture in the light of Christ. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus walks the road to Emmaus with two of his disciples. Verse 27 says, Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As Jesus shows them everything the Old Testament says about him, he shows us how to view all scripture in light of Christ. Whether we are reading the Old Testament or the New Testament, whether we're reading narratives, poetry, proverbs, or epistles, we can focus on Scripture's witness to Christ. Sometimes when reading the Bible, people emphasize a verse here or a passage there and lose track of Christ. And then based on some obscure verse in Leviticus or Revelation, they do or say things that are not Christ-like. It's important not to allow the Bible to overshadow Jesus as the focal point of our devotion. Because the purpose of the Bible is to point us toward Jesus. In fact, if we allow the scriptures to overshadow Jesus, we could miss out on abundant life. In John 5, 39, Jesus says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that testify on my behalf. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Allowing the Bible to overshadow Jesus also undermines Jesus' authority. In Matthew 28, 20, the risen Jesus declares, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. As Bible scholar N.T. Wright observes, Jesus does not say, All authority in heaven and earth is given to the books you chaps are going to go and write. Jesus has all authority. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord over all lords. He is the ruler over all rulers. And he is the word over all 
words, including the words of Scripture, in order to guard against the twisting of Scripture, we can view every word of the Bible as bending toward Christ, as subject to Christ, as clarified by Christ. The 1963 Baptist Faith and Message puts it like this. The criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ. Jesus' second principle of biblical interpretation is show love for God and neighbor. Show love for God and neighbor. In Matthew 22, a lawyer asks Jesus, which commandment in the law is the greatest? This is a loaded question. Ancient rabbis counted a total of 613 commandments in the Old Testament law. Uh, some rabbis thought that certain commandments were weightier than others, and they debated which commandments were the weightiest. Other rabbis taught that all of the commandments were equal. So the lawyer is putting Jesus on the spot asking him to weigh in on a controversial debate, asking him how he interprets the Bible. This was a perfect chance for Jesus to say, there is no greatest commandment because all Scripture is equal. But strikingly, Jesus does not teach that. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The phrase about the law and the prophets is shorthand for the Old Testament. The only Bible Jesus had he is indicating that every word of Holy Scripture hangs on two commands. Love God, love neighbor. The 4th century Christian leader St. Augustine called this the principle of double love. It means that good biblical interpretation exemplifies love for God and neighbor and enhances love for God and neighbor. Any interpretation of Scripture that undermines love for God is off base. And any interpretation of Scripture that violates love for neighbor is a misinterpretation. Jesus' third principle of biblical interpretation is interpret Scripture with Scripture. Interpret Scripture with Scripture. In Mark 10, some Pharisees asked Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? They said, well, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Here, the Pharisees cite Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. And Jesus responds by quoting Genesis 1, 27 and Genesis 2, 24. He is demonstrating how to interpret one scripture in light of another. 
It's not best practice to yank a single verse out of context and treat it independently from the rest of the Bible. Rather, we always ask how any one passage fits within the overall witness of Scripture. This way, we can understand each Scripture in light of all Scripture. Jesus' fourth principle of biblical interpretation is read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. Read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Here, Jesus establishes the Old Testament's integral role in Christian faith. He does not abolish Old Testament scriptures, but rather fulfills them by appropriating Old Testament laws and by actualizing Old Testament prophecies. According to Jesus, the Old Testament is indispensable but not ultimate, because Jesus himself is the final authority. Thus, we are to prioritize the New Testament and read the Old Testament in its light. Now, this is not to pit the New Testament and the Old Testament against one another, for there is beautiful continuity between the two. But it is to say we should read the Bible Backwards as well as forwards. <laughs> forwards because the Old Testament is chronologically first. And backwards because the New Testament is theologically prioritized. This is also to affirm the very famous saying, the new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. Jesus' fifth principle of biblical interpretation is major on the majors and minor on the minors. Major on the majors and minor on the minors. In Matthew 23, 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. According to Jesus, the major themes of Scripture, such as justice, mercy, and faith, must not be compromised for the sake of minor details, such as how to apply tithing laws to tiny little garden herbs. When the church de-emphasizes justice, mercy, and faith because of a verse here, or a passage there, we embarrass Jesus and we taint the gospel. For example, in the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries, many Christians focused on a few verses that say, slaves, obey your masters. The focus should have been on the foundational story in Exodus 14 when God liberates slaves. 
The focus should have been on the theme of justice for the marginalized, which pervades Holy Scripture and shows up in passages such as Isaiah 1, Amos 5, and Micah 6. The focus should have been on Jesus' own mission statement in Luke 4 to bring release to the captives and liberty to the oppressed. The focus should have been on the grand themes of justice, mercy, and faith. This devastating misinterpretation of the Bible in relation to slavery could have been avoided by majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors. Jesus' sixth principle of biblical interpretation is interpret Scripture in accordance with the golden rule. Interpret Scripture in accordance with the golden rule. In Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus says, In everything do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Jesus suggests that the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, encapsulates biblical ethics, and shapes our understanding of Scripture. If our interpretation of Scripture treats others in a way we wouldn't want to be treated, we have misinterpreted. If we're throwing Scriptures at people in a harsh way, and we wouldn't want people throwing Scriptures at us in a harsh way, we're misinterpreting. We are also off base if our interpretation of Scripture produces indifference or inactivity. Many non-Christian iterations of the golden rule formulate it negatively. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you. But Jesus formulates the rule positively so that the imperative is a do, not a don't. Reading the Bible in light of the golden rule leads us to act on behalf of others. In this way, we become doers of the word, as James 1 says. We are interpreting Scripture like Christ when Scripture comes off the page and into our minds, into our hearts, into our hands, and into our deeds so that we treat other people well. Jesus' seventh principle of biblical interpretation is read Scripture in light of the resurrection. Read Scripture in light of of the resurrection. In Mark 12, the Sadducees, who did not believe in the resurrection, broached this subject with Jesus. Their problem, says Jesus, is that they did not know the scriptures or the power of God. He says to them in verses 26 through 27, as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the story about the bush? How God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is God, not of the dead, but of the living. Now it's important to know that when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had all been dead for about 500 years. Yet God did not say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Jesus uncovers the assumption here that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive. He finds the promise of resurrection in God's word to Moses. This shows us that in order to understand the scriptures and the power of God, we always keep the resurrection in mind. As Bible scholar Richard Hayes puts it, authentic knowledge of the scriptures depends on a hermeneutic of resurrection, the ability to discern in scripture a witness to God's life-giving power. This reminds me of a story that Pastor Kenneth Chafin told about his grandmother, a story I read from the author Christopher Church. Now, Pastor Chafin's grandmother was an Oklahoma hillbilly who loved to read mysteries. When Chafin was young, she would encourage him to read and she would often ask him to bring her books. He noticed that whenever he brought her these mystery books, she would always read the last chapter first. It drove him crazy that she previewed the end of the story before she even started reading the beginning of it. And she noticed that this upset him, so one day she explained to him why she would do this. She said that at her age... She didn't want to waste time on stories that she didn't like the endings to. She would read the end of the story first so that she could know where the story was going. <laughs> Likewise, friends, to read the Bible like Jesus is to know where the story is going. It's hard to truly understand the beginning and the middle if we do not understand the end, the Bible does not end with suffering, but with joy. The story does not end with tragedy, but with triumph. The gospel does not end with the cross, but with the resurrection. The scriptures do not end with death, but with life. When we read scripture as Christ does, we can see that history and creation and all existence are caught up in the life-giving power of Almighty God. And we can see that every word of Holy Scripture leans toward resurrection, leans toward everlasting life, leans toward flourishing in God's new creation. Indeed, the last couple of pages of the Bible say this, Then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. <laughs> With an ending like that, the rest of the story is surely worth reading. Let's just be sure to read it 
as Christ does. Amen.